This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and thank you for your presence. I pray, Lord, that you're going to speak to us clearly today and that your grace is going to cover us. And Lord, in Jesus' name, may we grow. Come on, help me pray that. May we grow in reaction to your word speaking to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me ask you, when you go to your, I'm talking about your absolute all-time favorite meal of the year. It may be a location, as a restaurant, or it might be in someone's home. When you go to that, do you plan on leaving satisfied? I mean, you know. Have you ever got there and, and you go for uh, what you're after and they say, oh, we just ran out? And you're like, that's why I came. Well, when we come to God's house, we ought to plan on leaving changed. Let the word change who we are. Somebody put a little oil on that amen wheel this morning, okay? And so we ought to be planning on leaving change. Psalms 84, chapter uh, 84, verse number 11 reads like this. The Lord, speaking of the living God, the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Now that sure doesn't say that the Lord will give you everything you want. But it says... The Lord will withhold no good thing if you do what is right. And so we're going to make the connection from what we need to and who we are to what our motives are today. What are our motives behind what we're doing? If you're in the middle of an argument and your motive is just to make peace, odds are the argument's going to come back up. But if your motive becomes to not only make peace, but to try to see the other side of the argument, then you can find healing from whatever has been causing that. God's going to speak to us about our motives today. I want to talk to you about one of the most interesting motives that I I have heard. Uh, I I started a study, and the Lord's been dealing with me about the double this year, and I started a study, and it's been coming up in many different ways and many different times. But as I started this study, uh, the Lord just gave me a certain amount of... Uh, insight onto that. And then several people said, hey, there's a book that somebody's just released on that. And so I checked that book out and I've learned a few things and I want to kind of share a few things uh, from that in the next few weeks possibly. But but uh, some of these ideas and concepts I want to talk to you about today uh, came from me studying, wanting to know, God, what are you saying to us in this double year? So I want to take you back in time to 1741. It's the hot summer, August 22nd, And George Friedrich Handel goes to work. When Handel goes to work, he goes into his study and he begins composing. From the moment that he sat down composing a work at the end of his career that most people thought his greatest works were behind him, most people assumed that he was done and that he never would have to work again, uh, Handel decides with the urging of a group to write one more great work and to donate this work to charity. So for three weeks, 21 days, he barely leaves his chair. 
He goes into his study, only comes out for brief moments, and 21 days later, he emerges with a 259-page masterpiece called Messiah. A work that we hear many times around Christmas time, a work that we've heard sung and maybe not even understood where when we're hearing those words, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. When we hear that, maybe we didn't even know where it came from, but it is a masterpiece that Handel wrote, and he wrote it in three distinct verses. One talks about the coming of the Messiah. The second talks about the crucifixion of the Messiah. And the third talks about the resurrection and power and glory of the Messiah. And it ends with these words, so Deo Gloria, which means to God alone be the glory. Now we would think, knowing the nature of that and the sounds that we hear at Christmas time, that it would have debuted at Christmas. But instead, this masterpiece would be held over for the following spring when on Easter the music would be debuted in a benefit concert. And in this concert, for which he had written this masterpiece, they would raise the sum of $86,000 for a very worthy cause. There were 142 men who had been sold into debtor's prison because they borrowed money they could not pay back, and they were put in prison until their family could, could somehow raise the money. Well, if in case you're wondering how much money 142 people needed uh, to be set free, if you were to take $86,000 and convert it from 1741 equivalents to a 2020 equivalent, that's over $5 million. This masterpiece would, would, would generate $5 million in income to cause 142 men to be set free and released to go back to their families. And I think it's interesting. Not only was it so powerful that, that 142 men's uh, lives and their families' lives were changed, Handel would then bequeath all proceeds from Messiah from its conception all the way to this time that when you hear that song, it's been bequeathed to feed the hungry, house the homeless, and care for the sick. Can you imagine what has been accomplished when a man said, I will do my best for a worthy cause, sola deo gloria, that the God that we serve might be magnified not only in what I do, but in the outcome of what I do. You see, what was his motive behind this? That's where the double kicks in. Having the right ability that taps in with the right motives. Can I tell you today that it is within your ability to change your life? I'm going to say it again. It is within your ability to change your life. But what holds you back from changing your life most often is you have the wrong motives. You want to prove somebody wrong. You want somebody to get a point. You're trying to show everybody what kind of a success you'll be. And you find yourself hitting wall after wall after wall. You have the wrong motives. But if your motives will line up with the presence of God and the glory of God alone, then something begins to happen. Psalms 8411 begins to come into play in your life. And I'm sorry I'm so emotional, but I feel the joy of the Lord in my soul as I get to declare to you what you cannot do on your own. No good thing will God withhold from those whose motives are right. Are you seeking God's will for your life? You see, we are blessed when we use our talents for God's glory. But we're doubly blessed when we use our blessing to bless others. You see, when we learn that we get the right mindset, that if I honor God, the windows of heaven will be open for me.
I had to ask myself, do you think that Messiah was such a success because Handel wrote this masterpiece? Or was it a success because God knew that on the other side of this masterpiece lay the deliverance of 142 people? Well, the truth is we'll never know that. We'll never know whether it succeeded because of his his motive or because of his talent. Because why? Because he used his talent for the right motive. And because he did that, it became an overwhelming success that still affects people around the world. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Would it not be amazing if your actions and your motives so linked together that people could only give glory to God? You see, God's looking for someone like that. Because God doesn't want to withhold any good thing from your life, but he wants you to get the right motives. God will never give you something to harm others. You listen to what I'm about to tell you. And God will never give you something to puff up your pride. Because the proud God resists, but the humble he draws close to him. You see, when God knows we will not hoard the blessing, he will not withhold his favor. God will pour out his blessings upon us. When our desire is truly to live solely for God's glory, there is no good thing that God will withhold. You see, in the Old Testament, Moses is is proclaiming blessings over the children of Israel. And when he comes down through each tribe and he comes through the tribe of Levi, these are the words that he declares over the Levites. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse number 11, he declares this. He says, bless all his skills, Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Listen to that. Lord, let him be able to use his talent for its maximum benefit so that when he's done using it for its maximum benefit, you, oh God, are happy with what he's done. Can I tell you God's not happy when we have so much stuff? Uh Uh-oh, I'm about to mess with somebody's world. We have so much stuff we can't walk in our basements and and we can't count the amount of storage buildings that we have. That does not make God happy. God did not equip us so we could become hoarders. God equipped us so that we could live solely Deo Gloria for the glory of God so that we could honor him with every action of our lives. I've come with a motive today to tell you, get the right motives and God will show up in your world. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you at least act like you're getting something out of this sermon for a moment? Give me a good amen. All right. Listen to me carefully. No matter what you're doing, you need to understand God wants to bless you to do it well. Because when you do it well, it reflects on the God that you serve. So what's going to open the doors for blessings in your life? Well, it's the motives behind your actions. Don't you hate it when you can see somebody's trying to, trying to work an angle on you? You see, we go through our lives trying to work angles on God and work angles on our parents, work angles on our job, when the reality is if we would simply do our best, then the doors of heaven would be opened and blessings would be poured out that we cannot withstand. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to stop running a scam and start reaping a harvest? You see, I'm preaching truth right now that we all need. What's the motive of your heart? Are you doing what you're doing because it's right? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you living the way you're living? What are the motives of your heart? You see, we'll find several motives for doing what we do. And here's one that a lot of people chase after, profit. 
Can I tell you there is nothing wrong with making a profit? Oh, maybe you'd be happier if I said, may you lose everything. Let me say it again. There is nothing wrong with making a profit. But if that is your motivation, then you've already failed. You see, some people only go forward for pleasure. And some people, that's what blows my mind. Some people will only do what they do, listen to me, because they have the right to do it. It may not be anywhere near right, but they have the right to do it. And just because you have the right to do it doesn't make it right. Oh, y'all are good. Let's try that one more time. Just because you have the right to do it doesn't make it Right. I remember one time, and I, I, I'm just going to tell you this story. I probably shouldn't, but I, I remember one time I, I, I pulled up on the driveway, and there was two men in like almost fist fight on the driveway, and they're screaming at each other's face. And there's a dead person involved in the, the moment, and they're they're arguing over a funeral, and they're all arguing over a death, and they're screaming at each other, and they're they're like they're like you you devil, I rebuke you in the name. I mean, they're they're doing a whole pulling out all the church lingo with it, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? And and they're 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 screaming at each other violently, and, and and I'm like, what are you screaming at each other about? And finally, I deducted after I finally calmed them down. They were mad. Watch this. They were mad because there was a building, a storage building, from one of their yards about that far into the other one's yard. And they're like, it's my right you have to move that. You've got to move it. It's my right. That's my yard. My line. You're going to move that. And they're fighting each other with all this in them. And I just stood there for a moment and I looked at both of them and both of them were supposed to be preachers and I looked at both of them and I said, you know what I have deducted? And they said, what? I said, you're both going to hell. They said, what did you say to me, preacher? I said, you're both going to hell. And they said, what do you mean coming up in our yard? Now I had them both on me. Amen. Tell them we're going to hell. I said, you're going to hell because you're fighting over six inches of territory and you're not remembering what the word of God says, that if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven and you both have fallen. And because you can't forgive each other, then Jesus can't forgive you. So the deduction is you're going to hell unless you forgive each other right now. And they went... How dare you tell us that? And I said, how dare I not tell you that? Lest you look up from hell and tell me, why didn't you not stop us? And do you know what they did? They looked at each other and said, we can get over this. We can get past this to do what is right. Sometimes you have to realize it might be your right to throw a fit. It might be your right to get upset, but it does not make it right. God cannot bless somebody who's not living with the right motives. And you've got to get there. And if you're trying to show somebody who you are and trying to prove what's within your power, you're not living in the right place. My goodness, God's speaking to us. This was a fun message in the earlier services. God must really love this crowd because those he loves, he chastens. Come on now. 1 Samuel chapter 16 helps me figure out that what I'm looking at is not always right because it tells me the Lord does not look at things that man looks at, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, God's looking at why you're doing what you're doing. Oh, I feel Jesus in this. God's speaking to us. You see, God can see things about you that nobody else can see. As a matter of fact, he can even, my goodness, 
Do I have to say that? A few years ago, I said, I can pick on those men. Let me just pick on me for a minute. I, I said, Lord, will you show me what's in my heart? And he showed me such ugliness that I said, please stop. Because I wasn't prepared to deal with what he showed me. Because I wasn't there yet. But he began to show me, son, let me clean those things out. Because for everything you give up that shouldn't be there, I'll put something in you that should be there. And God's speaking to us today. He sees the deep hidden things. He sees those thoughts that your family and friends don't have a clue about, but God knows they're there. You see, we have this assumption. We assume that somebody's actions really tell us the whole story. That's simply not the case. Look at Peter's life for just a moment. Peter had some serious lapses in judgment. And yet, his heart was right before God. The things he declared were true. But here's the problem. He wanted to do the honorable thing, but his follow-through was not there yet. He wasn't always reliable to have the right intentions. See, he wanted, his actions said, I'll, I'll fight. And, and his heart said, oh, I'm still able to run. Can I tell you something? Your motives determine your actions. And if you'll get the right motives, then God can start giving you what you need. See, God is looking at more than just your behavior. He's looking at why you do what you do. Some of you are going, Pastor Don, you don't understand. I've done a lot wrong. Well, this is one of the reasons we're talking about this in the start of our prayer revival. You see, King David had sinned, committed adultery, committed murder. David realized he was in a whole lot of trouble. Because his heart was not right. And he knew that there was nothing he could do to fix himself because his actions, listen to me, you can come to this house on Sunday morning and say, listen to me carefully about what I'm about to say. You can say, that's right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And the minute Monday morning knocks you between the eyes, you lose your follow through. God's wanting you to find the strength to walk in the right motives. And David said, I've lost my follow through. I've lost the right motive because I just want to be fixed. And so he prays a prayer that's so powerful. Psalm 5110. It says, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. God, I'm dirty in here and I don't know how to fix it. But God, if you'll fix it, while you're in there, watch what he says next. Will you renew a what? Right spirit within me. God, clean me up and help me get the right motivations. Listen to me, because if your motives are pure, you'll be moving in the right direction. I'm preaching truth. If your motives are pure, you're moving in the right direction. I've not really talked about this, but a few weeks ago, when I was privileged to go to D.C., and I was sitting there as our president walked into the room, I watched the pain spill out of his eyes. This man who seemed so arrogant on television, I watched pain just spill out of him as, as he literally almost broke in front of this small room. And as I'm watching this, my heart is breaking 
Not because of a political allegiance, but my heart is breaking because I have seen pain as a pastor. I've seen the pain and the struggles. I've seen what, what when you can see somebody who feels like no matter what I do, I, I, I don't know where to turn and I don't know how, I don't know how to go forward from where I am. And as I saw that in that moment, as I saw that during that time, my heart began to break and I just began to pray. I began to pray not for something that I want to happen politically. I began to pray, God, heal his heart listen to me because when God creates a new heart within us and things begin to get right within us then everything around us begins to come into order God's speaking to us today God's speaking to us you see God wants us to understand he's working for our good now, I'm not going to preach a lot longer today but listen to me I want to take you back to where I started this double thought with you. Back to Numbers chapter 6. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible or highlighted in your phone, I'd encourage you to do that right now. Now, Don't pick up your phone and accidentally go to Facebook. Go to your Bible. Go to Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. And I hopefully can going to show you something about this passage you've never seen before. This is what this passage says in Numbers chapter 6. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. Oh, hold on, hold on a minute. The Lord bless you. The Lord, the, the word here, if I want to say, uh, blessed be the Lord, I say, Adonai Eleheinu. I say, blessed be the Lord God Almighty. When I begin to say bless, that, that word Baruch, or in the simplest form is Barak. When I take it down to a singular form of Barak, it said, the Lord will Baruch you. This is important. And keep you. Because you don't understand why it then says, verse 25, if you don't understand that the Lord will bless you, Baruch you. I want, I want you to get this. You have to understand Baruch or Barak to understand what verse 25 brings you to here. It says, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now watch this. The Lord Baruch you, and as a, as a result of the Baruch in your life, may you see the face of God. And may the Lord, go back to that verse one more moment. And may the Lord, as he shows you his face, then give grace to you. And as you see his face, may you end up in peace. May the Lord Baruch you. Now this is important. Kind of roll your R with me and say, Baruch. All right, so we go from Baruch to Barak. Okay, now we can put that word up there. That's a singular form that, that God's dealing just with you. May the Lord Barak toward you. Have a Baruch or a Barak toward you. Now, what does that mean for anything about that verse? Show you his face. Well, the, there's two translations for the word Baruch or Barak in Scripture. The first means to salute. Just like you were in the uh, the military a salute okay so you make a salute and I'm not some of you military guys will come up afterwards and show me where my I'm, so I'm just going to say that it's like that okay so where did that come from what does it have to do with Baruch or to the Lord bless you well the saluting of that means when two warriors would meet on the battlefield and they had on their armor or their helmets. That when you could not see their face, and if they had no crest or if they were away from their flag, all you knew was there was a bloody opponent coming at you. 
And when the bloody opponent's coming at you, if you can't see his face, you don't know if that is a friend or a foe. So it becomes a blessing then for both of you, instead of you fighting, oh, that'll preach, instead of you trying to fight, trying to figure out where you stand, instead, all of a sudden, the baruch comes into place because they would lift their visor or lift that helmet enough for you to see their face. And when you saw their face, listen to me, when you saw their face, it then showed you if they were combatant or if they were a friend. So when they saluted you on the battlefield, when they showed who you were, it revealed their eyes to you. And when you could see their eyes, you could go, oh my goodness, that's my friend right there. That's my friend. And and I'm good. I don't have to fight with you because we're on the same side. We're pulling. Am I making sense to anybody right there? We're pulling for each other. And because we're pulling for each other, instead of fighting each other, we can fight side by side or back to back and we can stand together and we can win together. Why? Because you lifted up your visor and let me see that you are not my enemy, but instead you are, listen to me carefully, you are my friend. And as my friend, I lift up my visor and the Lord looks at me and he says, hey, look, I see you just like you are, right where you are. And I'm not against you. I baruch you. I bless you. And I want you to see my eyes so you know they're not set against you, but they're set for you. And when you see the eyes and the face of God, all of my goodness, I feel God in what I'm telling you. All of a sudden you begin to understand that the motives of the Lord are right toward me. And when I show him my face and he sees my motives right toward him, then no good thing will God withhold. As a matter of fact, not only does he show me good, but he stands beside me. And as he stands beside me, he fights for me and he fights with me and he brings me through the battle. Here's the other side of this. You're going, but, but I, I don't know. I'm afraid of what he would see. But some of us are still have the Adam and Eve syndrome. I have sinned. The second translation means to kneel. Just like you would kneel to embrace a child. When you get down to the child's level and you say, come to daddy. Or even prettier words, <laughs> come to Papa. <laughs> Kids are great. Grandkids are amazing. Amen. <laughs> All right. Come to Papa. And when you get down on that level, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit of what I'm saying to you. What you're saying is, you can't come to me, but I'm coming to you, and I'm going to show you my face, and I'm going to let you know that though you can't get to me yet, I've come to where you are. That's the whole gospel message to a God who could we couldn't get to came to us and said, here I am, I baruch you, I bless you enough to show you my face, to let you know that I'm not your enemy. I am the one who loves you. I'm the one who fights for you. I'm the one who's going to bring you through, and if we'll just trust God and get the right motives of our heart instead of hiding our face before God we can say God I'm not there yet but I want you to look at my heart I want you to create a clean heart in me oh God I want you to renew a right spirit in me oh God God says hey I got you come on up here and I'll help you go where you can't go on your own amen you'll praise God I'll be done come on now give God some praise Some of you hadn't moved the whole message and I said, praise God, I'll be done. You're like, "Woo, glory to God. Stand with me. So why start this on a day about prayer? Wow. 
listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because nothing will reveal your motives faster than prayer. We're not going to pray this week so that God makes us the number one church around. Because I'm kind of partial to you already. We're not going to pray so that the fire falls in our building and everybody feels good about us. We're going to pray because there's some places out of our heart that we're still hiding. And God didn't just throw his helmet up. He threw it off. He said, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He saluted us and he knelt and embraced us. And so we come before him saying we are flawed and we are failed. But if you will renew a right spirit within us, creating a clean heart within us, do what we cannot do within ourselves, God, help our motives change. Because when our motive, listen to me, when our motives change, my whole world changes. Everything changes. Look, if you say, I'm going to serve God until I get off probation, or I'm going to serve God until I get my wife back, or I'm going to serve God until my children uh, uh, and I end up in the right relationship, or until I get the right job, or until I, I'm, I, my finances are straightened out. What's happened is you've got the wrong motivation. Because I'll show you what happens. As soon as you get halfway to getting your wife back, then suddenly you forget about God. As soon as you get the right job, you're skipping out on God for that job. But when my heart gets right, all of these good things can be added to me. Watch this. And even more so because God says, well, you thought I was just going to give her back, but instead I'm going to heal your heart and I'm going to heal her heart and your marriage is going to be better than when it started. And you're going to be happier in your job than you ever imagined. And I'm going to fix your family. And we're going to get rid of generational issues. Not because you tried to fix these things, but because you got the right heart before God. And no good thing will He withhold if your heart is right. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.